Hello, this is Ian Harper welcoming you to Business of Weather podcast, produced in association with Asia Climate Forum, Asia's largest event dedicated to extreme weather and climate change, flooding and poor air quality. In each episode, we'll investigate the increasing impact of extreme weather and climate change on business and society, and look at how weather technology and climate information services can help address the growing challenges. We'll also spotlight the new opportunities for entrepreneurs and business startups seeking to develop the business potential of technology innovations to help those affected by extreme weather. Given what many experts agree is a mounting and serious climate emergency, the American Meteorological Society is, without doubt, a key influencer. Its annual meeting is the world's largest yearly gathering of the weather, hydrology and climate community and also attracts policy and decision makers from government and business. But, faced with a huge and growing body of evidence highlighting the central role of human activity in climate change, these are difficult times for the society. While many US states have embraced the need to cut carbon emissions, a head of state who is an ardent climate change denier can only make the job of convincing the public of the need for urgent action a harder one. Business of Weather spoke to Mary Glackin about the challenges that lay ahead. Mary is the current president of the American Meteorological Society and the former vice president of Weather Business Solutions at the IBM subsidiary, The Weather Company. Welcome, Mary. Hello, Ian. Right. What do you believe are the major challenges facing meteorology in the coming years? I think they fall into really two categories. One is the the basic science category that we've had. So, you know, there's still processes that we don't understand well, whether we talk about the very small scale phenomena or those around science, uh, climate change, for example, some of the local impacts and uh, those things. So there's a set of science challenges there, but there's two other areas that I would highlight. One is we need to be really reaching out to be interdisciplinary. You know, if we're really going to serve society And I would say this is particularly for extreme events. Um, We need to be reaching to other fields in a more active way than we currently are, whether it's engineering for the built environment, um, the biosciences for health issues and things like that. So we need to build new pathways and really strengthen that. And then the third thing that I would mention is uh, reaching out to the actual end users, the decision makers, Uh, in a more dynamic way and making sure that we're really serving our needs. It's something we've been working at hard for 100 years or more, but more continues to need to be done there. Okay, what do you see as the key challenges facing the American Meteorological Society? Well, I think think there's a couple things here. One is, uh, first I'd start with saying never has our science been more important than it is today. You know, with uh, climate change and global population and all, weather and climate are at the forefront of everything. So in a sense, one of the challenges is prioritizing all the things that we can do. We're really at the uh, AMS really focused on um, the next generation, our students, our early career professionals, because they have very different career paths than some of us did 
so making sure that we're supporting them, not with our just our traditional things of journals and meetings and all, but equipping them with leadership skills, uh, opportunities to reach out to policymakers, uh, help in the workplace so they're able to navigate through workplaces and things like that. So we have a number of, we call them centennial initiatives that are built around those, and they're really pretty exciting. Right, thanks for that. Now, you're only the fifth woman to be elected as the president of the AMS in the past 100 years. What particular challenges and responsibilities does this bring with it? So uh, I don't know that being a woman brings uh, any special challenges and responsibilities, but but your question really highlights uh, this issue of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that's something that's at the forefront for us at AMS, that we need to be able to, um, everybody needs to be welcome here. If we're going to really serve society in the way that we need to do it, our membership needs to reflect society, uh, whether that's um, gender identity, um, uh, race, ethnicity, all of those kinds of things. So we have a, a, a number of initiatives that are going on that way. And again, it's building on things that we've been doing it, but barely bringing it to the next level. Do you believe the AMS can and should make a greater effort to promote a gender balance and the role of minorities in meteorology and the climate scientists, not only in the US, but elsewhere too? I think absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, when you talk about gender balance, uh, this is an area that WMO has spent a lot of time on, and we understand that it really impacts our delivery of services. You know, if we don't have a workforce that's really representative of what the community needs, then we're not able to really uh, deliver in that way. Um, so I think it's really important. We have, um, you know, we focus on this through particular scholarship activities, um, you know, offering scholarships, as well as um, promoting groups and training and all to have everybody be more sensitive to uh, not just gender balance or racial balance, but all of these issues um, that are out there. So we really have a workforce that reflects uh, what our what our population uh, looks like. Right now, promoting public engagement and communication is an important responsibility for any organisation representing the scientific community. For the AMS, though, it's especially important given what's happening with climate change. So how do you think the AMS can best meet this challenge? Do you think the task is made any harder by the current US political situation? So yes, this. <laughs> so I think it is. I think we have a tougher road in the U.S. than well, maybe almost any place else in the world with respect to climate change. But nonetheless, I think I'm I'm optimistic about that. Um, so we have been um, really trying to provide tools and training for people to be able to engage more outside of our community. For example, we have a um, we offer what we call a summer policy colloquium, which is really to equip our um, our members to be able to really engage, whether it's with local government officials or officials at the national level, so they really understand uh, how you can inform policy for the best outcome there. So I think that's one of the you know the forefront things that we're doing. 
but there's a lot of basic training uh, in terms of communication. We're especially um, fortunate in the AMS because we have so many members that are in the broadcast industry, which is really quite um, extensive in the U.S. You know, basically every market has uh, broadcasters, which are really considered, you know, the the science experts um, in the in the, at that TV station. So we're really able to leverage um, that really strong arm that we have as well to get the message out. Right, that brings us nicely to the next question then. Do you think the scientific community and weather and climate scientists in particular do a good job of communicating how their work can benefit society and business at large? Do you believe they have some way to go to be more effective communicators? For example, meteorology plays a critical role in efficient renewable energy generation and in tracking the spread of infectious diseases. But very few people seem to know much about these things. So I think it's a bit of a mixed bag here. You know, if you look at the business sector, uh, which I worked for IBM for a number of years up until recently, you know, it's really clear that businesses understand the value of weather and climate information. Um, and, And they use that. You know, you don't find airlines anymore, you know, with planes stranded in snowstorms and things, you know, they, they act very proactively on that. So I think the business sector really understands this. I think the, you know, the public sector, it's, uh, you know, the general citizen, it's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, I think there's a tremendous appreciation where we see frequency of severe events, whether it's in our, you know, tornado-prone regions here or our tropical regions. You know, you still do hear the jokes all the time about the weather forecaster being wrong half the time. But I think people know about that. Um, I think some of the areas that you highlighted with renewables and infectious disease, I don't think they're particularly sensitive to that. And I think that's there's a lot to be done in that area. And these issues really come to the forefront with climate change so that we really, um, you know, we have more work to do in these areas. Uh, for example, spread of infectious disease. And this is where I talked earlier about reaching out to other disciplines to really be able to um, provide the kind of services that are going to be needed there. Right. Now, Taking climate change and looking at the US, how do you see the American public? Do you think they're sceptical about climate change or receptive to what the majority of scientists say is happening? So we've been uh, we've had in this country some really nice polling that's been done over a number of years now, probably about 20 years. Uh, and you can see in the results of those numbers that more and more the public is convinced um, about climate change, uh, you know, so those numbers are tracking up 70%, maybe a little bit higher uh, for that. And so I think that there is that understanding what to do about it, you know, how to address these challenges and all. I don't think we're anywhere near close to kind of how to manage that that type of things. And I think as a, you know, as a broader community, not just the meteorologists, but, you know, working with other things, you know, making it clearer to people, what are the top things that you can do to make a difference with respect to climate change? I think there's a lot more that we could be doing in that area. Now then, you were previously vice president for weather business solutions at the Weather Company, which assists many companies impacted by weather and climate change. How do you see the relationship and interplay between your role as AMS president and the private sector? 
So, um, you know, the nice thing that maybe people don't know about the AMS is when you look at our membership, a third of it comes from academia, you know, uh, professors at universities, et cetera. Uh, a third of it comes from the public sector. This would be largely the National Weather Service, the um, NASA, uh, organizations like that. And then the last third actually comes from the private sector. So we really have a nice balance within the organization. And um, there's tension there sometimes, but the AMS has played a really key role over the past 20 years in promoting what we call the weather enterprise. Um, so we provided a lot of opportunities for engagement between, in, in particular, between the public and the private sector that has really made that relationship uh, beyond a cordial relationship, but a, a cooperative relationship at this point. So I think um, our presidents actually rotate each year. I'm a president that represents the private sector. Next year, there'll be a president that represents the public sector and the following year from the academic sector. So I think we have a really nice formula at AMS uh, for working across all of these sectors. Just following that thread now, how important is cooperation between the public, private and academic sectors in helping society and business to meet the challenges of extreme weather and climate change? Oh, I think it's essential. Um, I think that these sectors have to work together. You know, when I think about the challenges with climate change, uh, as I alluded to briefly earlier, we have a lot of science challenges still around there. We know the climate is changing, but when you get down to the kind of decisions that need to be made, whether it's at a city level or county level uh, or state level, you know, how exactly those decisions are informed and the cost benefits of those is really going to rely very strongly on all of these sectors. I think the academic sector, there has to be really active research um, addressing specific problems there. I think the private sector, the businesses are going to play a, a big role in there, and virtually all businesses get information from private weather companies. And then the public sector, who really um, is a trusted entity in these dialogues, you know, maintaining some of the data sets and um, uh, being at the forefront of how we synthesize and assess climate information. Now, one of the things Business of Weather podcast aims to do is to highlight the potential new business opportunities for researchers in meteorological science and technology to commercialise those aspects of their work which can assist weather-affected enterprises meet the challenges of extreme weather and climate change. What are your own thoughts on the business opportunities being created by climate change? And do you think the AMS has a role to play in highlighting and promoting these business opportunities? So uh, so I definitely think the AMS has a role in this. In fact, we have an entity uh, in AMS that's called our Board of um, Economic Development, Enterprise Economic Development, uh, which is really what we talk about it is how do we grow the pie? What, you know, how is the pie changing that we could all benefit from? I think uh, climate change represents a, a big opportunity for us. Uh, you know, Ian, I almost view this today as kind of like a cottage industry. You know, there's a lot of um, work that's going on at various local, regional, national levels. 
and we're learning from that work, and that has to be translated and refined. So I think, um, you know, I think that there's companies already working in this space, uh, getting some early experiences. But if we're really going to assist these decision makers, it's really going to take, um, you know, all of the sectors, and um, you know, to have our our shoulder to the wheel, if you will in being able to provide the kind of support decision makers need. Right, thank you for that. Now, there's increasing discussion about the role of AI, artificial intelligence and deep learning in meteorology and the climate scientists, for example, in flood forecasting. What is your view on the role that AI and deep learning might play in the coming years? Well, I think this is a really exciting area for us. Um, you know, I'd also like to put into this question this idea of advanced computing, too, because that's the other area that's accelerated. Um, so I think that AI and deep learning really have um, have a, a place to play here. You know, we've seen it already where we're using some data sets that they're extracting information from. Uh, to do that. I know uh, IBM is using that, I would say, you know, pretty substantially there. Uh, I, I find it's really exciting that, you know, there's research going on in this country about how might we uh, be able to kind of better approximate through some deep learning some of our really um, computational intensive equations so that we could, you know, run our models a little quicker and maybe run more ensembles at a higher resolution to get a better answer. So I think this interplay between um, mathematics, computing, and our science is one that uh, a lot of us are looking at and expect things to look really different 10 years from now than they do today. Now, looking ahead, how do you view the possibility of some form of climate engineering, such as solar radiation management or sucking CO2 out of the atmosphere, being used to help address global warming. Do you think meteorologists have a role to play in climate engineering? So I, so I think this is an area that we do have to, uh, as a society, you know, my answer, I should say my answer today is different than it would have been 15 years ago. But I think at this point where we are with our climate change problem, we really have to be looking hard at these kinds of technology and, um, you know, when we need to be doing it in a way that has, um, you know, is respectful of the environment and society and things like that. So there's not unintended consequences to that. So I think meteorologists are going to have a role in this, but I think there's a lot of other players in this, not only engineering type players, but also social scientists, um, you know, people that are really informed in ethics and all will be a big part of this as well. Well, thank you. That brings an end to today's interview. So, Mary Glacken, President of the American Meteorological Society, thank you very much. Thank you, Ian. It's a pleasure talking to you. You're listening to Business of Weather, produced in association with Asia Climate Forum, Asia's largest event dedicated to addressing climate change, flooding and poor air quality.